Africa, home to the most unique people in the world. A place that connects us through our customs, traditions, and even belief itself. Join Mukundi Mudao in Tribal Pursuit, a series that ventures deep into Africa to discover the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. Join the conversation every Wednesday at 10 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Hi FM, this is Travel Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. It is Wednesday the 9th of August 2023, 6 minutes past 10 is the time. It's Women's Day which means it's a holiday. Unfortunately not for myself. As you can hear, I am in studio talking to you, meaning I am at High FM, but that is no worry because I've been dying to talk to you my friend. It's been too long, far too long. How long has it been? I think two weeks now. How have you been? Tell me everything. 34519 is how you SMS me. 061-895-1019 is how you telegram me. You can even call the studio 0101403020. So tell me, what do you have planned today? Are you going to celebrate all the women in your life? If you are a woman, are you going to celebrate yourself? Are you just going to chill the whole day? Or is it just another Wednesday? Because I'll tell you, that's just it's just another Wednesday to me. No disrespect to Women's Day. You know, no disrespect to Women's Day. It's just... A regular Wednesday to me. I woke up. I woke up at 4 a.m. like I usually do. I was in studio by 6, and here I am still in studio. So, nothing different. <laughs> nothing different. But that does not mean your day is not different. So do tell me what you have planned for the holiday. Are you going anywhere? Are you gonna do anything? Are you gonna see anybody? And are you just excited? Of course, this is Trouble Pursuit, the show where we go deep into Africa and I tell you everything that's happening. I'm gonna give you some news and then I'm gonna give you some beautiful African music later in the show at around. I'd say 10.25, 10.28, we're going to be talking to a friend of the show, Mr. Simcha Yakubovici, and he's going to tell us everything that he's been doing with Jewish communities. He's a documentary maker, he makes documentaries and films and all sorts of interesting stuff that I just had to pick his brain. And this is the opportunity that I got, and I decided to use it. <laughs> of course, on top of all that, we're just going to have fun and have a great show and try to enjoy this beautiful, beautiful Wednesday. By the way, the weather's been really pleasant lately, hasn't it? It's definitely getting warmer and we're definitely going towards the warmer season spring summer short shorts and tank tops are about to come out it's gonna be fun i cannot wait this is tribal pursuit with mukundi mudao venturing deep into africa to discover the who how and why of the beautiful people that identify as jewish 101.9 High FM Travel Pursuit of the name of the show And I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao Top of the morning Beautiful Wednesday morning Women's Day here in South Africa And the time is 10.15 Thank you for joining me Okay So it's that time of the show Where I tell you what's happening in the world right? By the way I got Craig in the studio Pressing all the buttons How you doing Craig? You good? Gave me a thumbs up Not a man of many words But I just liked how he He knew that I was doing the disc in library So he was just like Oh he's doing the disc in I gotta turn the music down And then as soon as I started talking Ha! music's back up you know he's he's re- he's living in my mind he's reading me and i love it dynamic duo him and i i will be batman and he will be robin if he has a problem with that that's too bad he's robin i'm batman and i will forever be batman anyway let me tell you what's happening in africa rather what's happening in cape town Whew, what is happening in cape town are you safe if you're in Cape Town, are you okay? Tell me. Let, let me know. 34519 is the SMS line. 061-895-101 is the telegram line. You can even call me. 0101403020. Please call me if you're in Cape Town. And I just want to hear explosions and tires screeching and people screaming and doi doing in the background. If I can. If there's none of that in the background, don't even call me. Just send a text. <laughs> okay. So, 
some of your messages by the way i have a message from my friend gil who says good morning dear friend no bridge club today so i am able to listen to your fabulous show well thank you for joining me gail i got i see your message and i got your other message by the way but that'll stay between you and me thank you so much for your kind words okay south africa cape town minibus taxis strikes the South African National National Taxi Council called for the action over a new munis- municipal bylaw that gives the city the power to impound vehicles over of, over offenses such as driving without a license, not displaying registration plates, or overloading. <laughs> that just that takes away what half the taxis we have in South Africa, right? Overloading alone is just. 60% of them, I think. That's well over, well over half. But anyway, tensions boiled over after 15 minibuses were impounded on Tuesday. That was last week. Thousands of stranded commuters piled up at bus and taxi stations across the city on Thursday with hundreds opting to walk home late into the night, while others slipped at the stations as incidents of violence erupted. On Friday night, a police officer was shot and killed in a vehicle in a township 20 kilometers southeast of Cape Town while on patrol. Police say they could not rule out the the killing was linked to the strike as it came while officers were performing crime prevention patrols to quell taxi-related incidents. In an update on Monday, police said another person was shot dead and three others injured after a motorist was pelted with stones What's pelted? on the road leading to the city's airport. Authorities later added that a third body, that a 28-year-old man who sustained multiple gunshot wounds in an attack believed to be taxi-related, was found nearby. Santaco, which is the South African National Taxi Council, Santaco. I always love our abbreviations here in South Africa. I think we have some of the best abbreviations. And what's the other word? There's abbreviation and um, hmm, I forgot. Wow, but yeah, I love our abbreviations because they're always so cool. Santaco, you know, Durko. Give, give, put, put aside what they do, or rather, what they fail to do. <laughs> Just the abbreviations sound so cool. Santaco, Durko. You know, if Nate, if NATO wasn't taken, I'm pretty sure would have came up with our own. But I just love it here in South Africa. So. The taxi strikes have been a problem for everybody in the country. You know, whether you use taxis or not, they will they will affect you, especially if you, only if, well, if you're in Cape Town. Let's look at Cape Town. Whether you use taxis or not, you will be affected because they block in the roads, you can't get anywhere, and there's violence. And I don't I don't like the culture of violence in within our taxi industry. That's a conversation for another day. It's a deeper conversation that we need to have because I've noticed there's a lot of violence in our taxi industry. I think the word Nkabi even comes from the taxi industry because you know there's there's a there's a big culture of that down in KZN and it's scary when you think when you think about going into the taxi business in South Africa because you know you are destined to get into trouble with criminals of some sort you know there's mob bosses and i just love that the city of cape town said we that they're doing this and they're not backing down because we know that the minister of transport asked the mayor of cape town to release the impounded vehicles and the mayor said no i'm about to bang the table right now so i'm sorry you will hear this but the mayor said no i am not doing this i will will uphold the law and i will make sure that all these vehicles that are not roadworthy all these vehicles that are busy committing crimes are off the road and i appreciate that and i applaud that i commend that because what what else are we supposed to do if there's vehicles on the road that are not supposed to be on the road and that's a big deal with a lot of these taxis i've seen it as well in Joburg. after i moved to Joburg, i realized that 
A lot of taxis here in South Africa are not roadworthy. I don't know what it is. You know, the doors are hanging off. The, de- the doors are hanging off. Passengers know that you gotta sit in a certain way, otherwise you won't get to where you're going. The drivers know that they gotta come out and close their door. And there's this thing that they say, close it like you're opening it because they know that their taxis are not are not roadworthy and they know that their taxis are falling apart. And if they are, then why are they on the road? So I commend the mayor of Cape Town for that. And I hope that he sticks to his guns and he does not move. Because we do need to fix this. People need to get to work. However, they need to do that in a safe manner and safe vehicles and know that they will be protected. Okay. I'm done talking about taxis and strikes. Let me tell you something happy. Top five happiest cities in Africa in 2023. I don't know who came up with this because, what, we're still in 2023. Shouldn't this come out maybe November, December? But August is, what, eight months into the year. By the way, we're eight months into the year, and I feel like we're still in May. (laughs) You know, I got New Year's resolutions that I still need to get through and I actually need to do. But I will get to that eventually. So the top five happiest cities in Africa. Which should really just be, hey, if you live in South Africa, you should be really happy, but we know we're not. Because at number five is Durban. Mm-hmm. Durban is number five. Cape Town is number four. Swane is number three. Joburg is number two. And the only town, the only city that is not South African is the Seychelles, Victoria and the Seychelles, and that is number one. So, pretty cool, right? Out of the f- top five happiest cities in Africa, four are, are, are from South Africa. And I wasn't even surprised. Joburg, Tswane, Cape Town, Durban. Though, that's the big four, right? Where else could you live and actually be happy? Don't get me wrong. Pe- people in other cities are probably happy, but those are the major cities that we have in South Africa. So it would make sense that people are happiest here. However, as somebody living in Joburg, I don't know what there is to be happy about. We got potholes, we got no water, no electricity, we got mayors that change every two weeks, we got tigers roaming the streets, explosions, earthquakes. Oh my God, what is there to be happy about in Joburg? Uh, you tell me, 34519 is the SMS line, 0618951019 is the telegram line, and you can call the studio 0101403020. Right now, the time is 23 minutes past 10. Trouble Pursuit is the name of the show, and I... I'm your dear friend Mukunimudao. In a few minutes, we will be talking to a friend of the show, Mr. Simcha Yakobovici. Once again, if you have any questions for him, send them through. You can even email on air at highfm.com and I'll get to your question and we'll get to talk to a friend of the show. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundimudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM. This is Travel Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Thank you for joining me. This is the part of the show where we talk to a friend of the show and I have, well, we have our second international guest actually. This is Mr. Simcha Yakobovici and he told me that means son of Jacob, but he's, give, he's given me the privilege to call him Simcha because otherwise I'll be biting my tongue throughout the whole show. So Simcha, great of you to join us. How are you this morning? It's a pleasure to be on. Pleasure. I'm fine, thank you. Pleasure to have you. Pleasure to have you. So, I've I've noticed that you have a lot of films and a lot of documentaries. I just wanted to ask, as somebody who, I feel weird listening back to my own shows, to the recordings of my own shows. It feels weird, and I always notice things that I could have improved on and things that I could have done differently. Is it the same for you when you when you rewatch your work? If you rewatch your work. No, I think all my films are perfect. 
<laughs> wow. Uh, no, I mean, seriously, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm a documentary filmmaker and I've been doing this for a while. A lot of uh, my subjects are on Jewish subjects, and I guess that's why he wanted to talk to me for this particular show. But, you know, I see these films, there's different stages in my life. Uh, I mean, stylistically and content-wise, there are, there's common themes, right? Because of, I have certain interests. I'm fascinated by Jewish history. I don't just make films about Jewish history, but oftentimes the Jewish history leads me to, uh, you know, world history. But they represent different stages. So I don't go back and I think, oh, you know, I should have done that different. If I feel different about things, I just make a new film. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I guess that would be different because with us, it's live radio. So you have that one chance to get the show perfect as opposed to making films. How long does it usually take to make a perfect film? Oh, yeah, it say? Takes, <laughs> yeah, it takes a long time. I mean, you know, like... uh it could take anywhere from a year to three years. You know, I, I worked my last series, which came out in 2020. I worked three years on a series of six parts with Samuel L. Jackson. I made a series on the transatlantic slave trade. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we dove, we told a story. I always try to tell my stories, my documentaries, uh, through an adventure, you know, and so I, I don't want to really make an illustrated lecture. So I tried adventures. So what we did is we put together a team of uh, scuba divers and through the, uh, they went searching for sunken slave ships and through the adventure of, uh, of searching and finding and diving all these uh, sunken slave ships, we dove more sunken slave ships than anyone previously in history, uh, at least six, maybe seven. And, uh, and through doing that, uh, we told the story of the economics, the politics, the human, the resistance, everything about the, as much as we could about the slave trade. And, and that took years of research, maybe at least a year. Then I came out also with a book and then three years of production. So four or five years to produce those six parts. So it depends on the project, but I don't think it's ever, I don't think it's ever less I mean, there's, I did 65 episodes of something called that you can find on, online, the naked archaeologist, mm. like the naked chef or the naked truth. It's basically biblical archaeology and in a very lighthearted way, they're half hours. Individual, I did 65 episodes. So individual episodes may not have taken that long, maybe four, four months, an episode, six months. Mm. But you know, when you put all 65 together, there's several years we were working. When you have, you know, when you go live, you know, you, you go quickly from interview to broadcast. Mm. But when you have, you know, months of editing, you get to see a rough cut, you get to see a fine cut, you get to, you get to watch your film so many times that by the time you're finished, you, you better be happy with it. And so it's very different. They're like, uh, and then once they're out, they're out, you know, it's like kids, you know, once you have the kids, you love them all. You, you love them all. It's out of your control. So. Yeah. Wow. Don't you eventually get tired of watching and listening to the same thing over and over again for months, if not years on end, just to get that one perfect product? Again, no, because it, it changes. It's like watching a kid grow. It's like it changes. You know, it 
first, you know, let's say the film is going to end up being, a, a, you know, 50 minutes, an hour. Uh, you know, the first cut of it is three hours long. And then you have very hard, difficult time getting rid of scenes you like and editing it down and, and, and polishing it. And you, every time you watch it, it's different. You decide what it's like sculpting, right? Like documentaries. Feature film, scripted films, and, you know, I have a lot of recreations in my films, and I, I'm about to do a scripted film as well next year. But scripted films, you, you work on the script, you work on the script, and then finally you have the script, and that's what it's going to be, as good as you can make it. Mm-hmm. When you're making a documentary and you're shooting, like, hundreds of hours, sometimes, you know, 100 hours for one hour of film, then it's more like sculpting. you got this big blob of hours mm-hmm. and now you got to shape it and reshape it and shape it and uh each time it's different it's not like you're watching the same movie over and over again mm-hmm. it's like you just keep chipping away at, at a big piece of marble and then when the 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 sculpture that's inside that marble comes out and you look at it that's the first time you really see it you know you don't mm-hmm. feel like i've seen this a hundred times you've seen it maybe in your mind's eye somehow but but not in real life. And then then I watch it a couple of times. And I don't watch it anymore when it's done. Ah, okay, okay. How does a Canadian Israeli Jewish filmmaker end up making a documentary about the slave trade and sunken slave ships with Sam Jackson? <laughs> uh, well, look, uh, I've been very very fortunate to work with some of the greatest people. Like I've made three documentaries with James Cameron. Who, you know, is, I think, the most successful filmmaker on planet Earth. Uh, so I've been very successful, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate, rather. I've been very fortunate to, to work with some amazing people. I, I generally have been also very fortunate and to be able to pursue my own interests and passions as opposed to just doing something that I don't really like, but I, that's what the market wants. So, and people say, talk to me about my Jewish films and my non-Jewish films. And I tell them, you know, I really don't have non-Jewish films. I'm a Jew. So I'm going to see things the way a Jew, you know, a Jew with my particular family history. You know, I'm child of Holocaust survivors and I am who I am. And therefore I'm going to see things and I connect with certain issues that people don't expect me to. You know, when I did Enslaved, it was called Enslaved, uh, and it's about a six-part series about uh, the slave trade from the from the bottom of, you know, told as told from the bottom of the sea. You know, I was in a meeting where there was an Afro-Canadian there, and uh, he said, you know, I really respect what you're doing and everything like that, but you couldn't possibly uh, really connect with my history. Mm. And I looked at him and I said... Uh, Tell me something, you know, this morning when you woke up, did you look up to heaven and say, thank you, God, for not making me a slave? And for a second, I thought he'd be insulted. Like, well, do you think because, you know, I'm I'm black, I should thank God that I'm not a slave? You know, like almost that kind of attitude. And he like he was getting a little angry and then looked at me and said, no, I didn't. I said, but I did. I'm an Orthodox Jew. And every morning I get up in the morning and I say, thank you, God, for not making me a slave. That's part of the, the liturgy. And after, you know, 3,500 years ago, we Jews were slaves in Egypt and we've never forgotten. So of course I'm going to identify with people that 150 years ago were slaves. As a Jew, I identify with them. They, 
How could people say, get over it? We haven't got over it. It happens 3,500 years ago. Every year we get together uh, for Passover and remember uh, that we were slaves. Every time we have a meal, when we say thank grace after meal, we it's inserted in there, thanking God for taking us out of slavery. Every time I pray and I do that part of the liturgy three times a day, I thank God for, you know, for taking me out of slavery. So I thank God, you know, several times a day, not to mention that both my mother and my grandmother that I'm named after were slaves, were actual slaves in uh, in what is now Ukraine by, by Romanian and German, Romanian fascists and German Nazis during the Second World War. They were in a slave labor camp. And my my mother's brother-in-law, who wasn't Jewish, was able to purchase them out of slavery by bribing people. So, so you know, people say, oh, you made that, that film that was about slavery, but that wasn't your Jewish film. Yes, it was. You know, I grew up with slave consciousness, mm-hmm. or liberation consciousness, rather, but of, of, with the knowledge of having been enslaved. And that makes me, as a Jew, identify with other people who who were oppressed. So I, I really, you know, like, so anyway, I, I, the way I went to, ended up with Samuel Jackson is I wrote this proposal that ended up my agent took it to his agent and they loved it. They loved it. And they said, you know, I couldn't believe it that he'd joined the project because, you know, I couldn't afford him. He, he, he's like, you know, the highest grossing actor, you know, uh, I'm making documentaries, but, he and his wife, Latanya, saw this as a, as a passion project, a thing that they want to do. And, uh, he, you know, he joined. And once he joined, it was, you know, kind of a slam dunk to get the funding. Mm. And then off, off we went because it wasn't so easy, easy to find sunken slave ships. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And funny you should say that actually, because there's a, there's a joke that Howard Feldman and I make in the morning show every once in a while. He would say, don't you want to be Jewish or anything of sorts? And I'll say, it's hard enough living as a black man. Why would I want to add being Jewish to that? And it adds to your point, really, that Jewish people, much like black people, and that's why you relate with the slave trade, that we've all been persecuted and we've all been, well, treated as slaves. And therefore, it connects us and it gives us a sense of relativity that nobody else can understand. Nobody else uh, Yeah. I, I agree with you, and uh, and uh, it breaks my heart to see some of the tension between the, the African American, uh, the, the black uh, community in the United States, and and the Jewish community now, because the Jew, Jewish community was there from the beginning of the struggle, the civil rights struggle. But I, I think now they're perceived as privileged, because I agree with you. I think there's a commonality, and you know, in Israel today, we have. Um, 150,000 Ethiopian Jews. So it's not unusual to see African Jews, you know, to see black Jews. True. Uh, not to mention, you know, all sh- Jews come in all shades of color. Yemenites, you know, are brown and uh, my wife is olive skinned, you know, like everybody comes in, you know, and we come, we come in, in, in all shades, like humanity itself, but you write about, you know, being black and Jewish. And that's how I got into filmmaking, by the way. Mm. I, I wasn't a filmmaker. I was at the University of Toronto doing a PhD in political science and, uh, I'd finished my master's and I was uh, very involved and I was a 
as a kind of Jewish student leader, and I, and I got involved in the struggle for the black Jews of Ethiopia, the Ethiopian Jews that were then known as Palashas, which means stranger. It was, it was a negative term that they were called, like you're an outsider. And uh, so I wasn't like a filmmaker, filmmaker looking for a story. I was a Jew with a story. My story was let's 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 help Ethiopian Jews. I'm not going to sit silent while they struggle the way people sat silent while my my parents and grandparents and cousins and uncles uh, you know suffered in the Holocaust. I'm not going to be part of the silence. So. I was, I had this cause that I wanted to uh, promote that with other people. And, uh, and that's, you know, and I had been working as a journalist uh, at the time and I kind of combined my passion for the subject and my advocacy, my activism, if you will, mm. with a desire to make a film to tell the story. So I was a Jew with a story looking for a way to tell it. And that's how I became a filmmaker, my end to Filmmaking was activism, and it was through the story of the the Jews of Ethiopia. By the way, that's How another that? thing. You know, I well, I just want to add. You're probably going to ask this, but you know, I, I think the Jews are stereotypes. We think, you know, other people and even Jewish people themselves often uh, see themselves in the modern age as kind of white Europeans, but Jewish. History is so much more than that. Mm. I mean, uh, unfortunately, a lot of it is untold. You know, people were shocked that there were black Jews in Ethiopia. They said they couldn't be Jewish. So they kind of fell between the chairs. They, blacks considered them Jews and Jews considered them black, and they kind of nobody identified with them. Mm. Um, I, was, you know, I was shocked but, as well when I found out that there were other black Jewish people living, not only just around the 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 world but here in south africa as well the 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 lemba people and it was very interesting finding out about all of this because as you said all my life i've associated being jewish with being white and i think there's that's the disconnect that we need to fix as well well absolutely i think now there is a danger you know some people come from not from a position of love but uh like there's some groups in the united states that say you're not the real jews we're the real jews we're the real jews and I, you know, that's an attempt to dispossess me of my history. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I, uh, on the flip side is European Jews telling black Jews, you're not real Jews. You know, like we have to understand that the, 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 the Jewish experience in Jewish history is much more colorful, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and, you know, then, then we realize, for example, I can give you many examples, and unfortunately, a lot of it hasn't been researched properly and so on. But, I mean, let's remember something, that the Jewish people were born in the exodus from Egypt. Egypt was in Africa, okay? Mm-hmm. So the the Talmud, the, 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 uh, the, the verbal uh, history uh, stories that accompany the Torah, the, the five books of Moses, has all kinds of stories that are uh, preserved for thousands of years that are not in the 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 Bible itself, but they're they're like accompany accompany the Bible. So, for example, in the in the Torah, in the in the five books of Moses, in the written Torah, because there's the oral Torah and the written Torah. But in the written Torah, there's a strange passage. You could look at it like just search 
search for it online, where it says, uh, it's not strange to me, but people find it strange. And it says that Miriam, Moses' sister, complained to Moses about his Cushite wife. That's right there in the Bible. So, so everybody scratches their head and they go, Cushite wife, you know, he was married to Zipporah and Zipporah was a Midianite. She was from Arabia, not from Cush. But so the, the, the rabbis, by the way, in the Middle Ages came up with the explanation that Cushite means beautiful, that she wasn't literally a Cushite, but it was a compliment to, to a Zipporah to call her a Cushite, to say that you're beautiful. So that, you know, the first time black is beautiful is mentioned in, in Western tradition is actually in the Talmud. But I, I don't think that's what it means. In the Talmud, there's, there's a story that when Moses fled Egypt before he led the Exodus, he went to Kush, modern day Sudan, in that area. That makes sense geographically. It would be much more difficult. He, he only appears in, in the Sinai Desert and, and Midianite. You know, after he's already been in exile some 40 years. So where was he all that time? So the Talmud says he was in Kush and he was married to, an, to a Kushite queen. He had a, an earlier marriage before Tzipporah. So that means that for decades, according to Josephus, the historian, the Talmud, and many other sources, Moses was an African king in Kush, <laughs> married to a Kushite. So there's a rich, rich African Jewish history and Middle Eastern Jewish history mm. that it's there sort of. You can find a lot of it on Google if you just know what, what question to ask. True. But, but people haven't focused on it. They, they don't look at it. What about the Jews of Yemen? True. What I'm about to bring up the what, Yemenite what, Jews as well? Cause I, I spoke to Yehuda Kalani a few months ago. He's the leader of the, Jew, Jew, of a Jewish community in Tanzania, and they have Yemenite roots. And he was telling me about about their about their history and everything. And I just realized it helped me realize. And back to your point that being Jewish is so colorful and so multifaceted that if you are not willing to open your mind up to it and actually listen to other people's stories, then you will never really understand it. Nor accept them as your own because what i've seen as well is that like you said when the black people say we're the real jews they dis what's the word dis disapprove of or lack of a better term let's just use the white jews right now and i think it needs to get to a point where the the jewish community just accepts other jews and instead of telling me what i'm not tell me what you are yeah i mean judaism is never about color it's about, um, you know, it's, it's grounded in the Torah and it's a, it's a community of action and faith. And if you, it has, a, it's a body of law and, and people who join and, and people identify for different reasons. As ethnically, uh, like you mentioned, the Lemba, the Lemba genetically, right? Mm. I mean, there's Lemba, the Lemba, the Lemba priests are genetically closer to a white guy in Israel who, whose name is Cohen, Leonard Cohen, a Lemba priest, right, uh, is closer to Lem, uh, genetically to Leonard Cohen than I am because they, they have the same marker, Cohen marker, the same family. They belong to the same family. Right. So that means that for sure the Lemba have historically a connection with the Jewish people. Now, 
you know, how, 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 how close do the two communities want to embrace each other? That's a different issue. Uh, an Orthodox Jew would say if he, if Alemba wants to practice Torah, like practice Judaism, then he's as much a Jew as I am or anybody else. So, uh, the other people say history is enough. Certainly a certain consciousness, we have to respect it. The Lemba, there's no question they have a uh, connection with the Jewish people. I mean, but not just that, you know, like in Ghana, you know, you have now what I call, you know, it's like, it looks like from the outside, like uh, spontaneous Jewish combustion. Uh, Yeah, and you have villages that suddenly say, hey, we we know we're Jewish and we're coming back to Judaism. And, and instead of being helped, you know, instead of being embraced, welcome back. You know, they have to beg for, uh, you know, a Sefer Torah, a Torah scroll. They have to beg for prayer. They want, they, they want, want to, to they want, they to. want to learn more. And it's a phenomenon yeah. that's happening all across Africa. My show has helped me realize that because the same is happening in Nigeria, in Uganda and I have, I know members of the Lemba that actually go around Africa trying to find other members of the Lemba community and bring them back together. And they all struggle with getting resources and learning and everything because they're not necessarily accepted into the community. So it's a bit harder for them to learn. Well, they, they, what happens, like, for example, in Ghana, they get kind of screwed from both sides because when they leave Christianity, then they're seen by their Christian neighbors as traitors, mm. but they're not embraced by their Jewish neighbors, right? So what happens is stuck in the middle, right? And this happens, I see it over and over again, where they kind of, you know, I'd love to make a film about, and I have a box here on the floor full of uh, research about, um, you know, uh, the, the history of, 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 you know, black Jews. I mean, in Nigeria, the Igbo, they have a, you know, they have a tradition and, and they suffered for it and the, the, for being Jewish, mm. being Israelite. You know, they are the Jews of Nigeria and uh, they suffered. And, you know, Giannis, who everybody calls him the Greek freak, the superstar in the NBA, you know, he, you know, his parents were refugee Igbo people in, in Greek. So, you know, I, has anybody approached him? On that level, I say, hey, do you do you consider yourself an Israelite, a Jew? Has anybody embraced him on that level? I I I don't think so. I never saw anything like that. You know, I actually, I mean, think he's he he's more Greek than Jewish. He's more Greek than Nigerian, but that's you know another conversation. But that's a <laughs> that's a different conversation. I'm saying people are not exploring. Mm. You know, uh, they're not they're not exploring that side of of, of African history. You know, um, you know, in, in the, uh, what I think happened is that, um, historically, just let me back up and say historically, the Jews are people that have fought for freedom for thousands of years. They're the only people to come back twice from being exiled to their natural homeland, uh, Israel. And, uh, nobody else has done that, being thrown right out and then come back. They did it from Babylon and they did it now in 1948 from from the rest of the world and so they have a history of revolution and uh, Jewish people celebrate uh, different revolts they celebrate in you know the the great Jewish revolt against the Roman Empire happened in 66 to 70 and then finally we were crushed 
and exiled. And then in 132 AD to 135, the Bar Kokhba revolt against the Rome again. You know, the, 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 the last of the Jews in the Holy Land still revolted. But the reason I'm telling you this and what it has to do with Africa is that there was another revolt in 115 to 117 that the Jewish people actually don't, don't know about largely and don't focus on and don't celebrate and don't, uh, don't eulogize or anything because it didn't happen in Israel. It happened in the diaspora. It happened not in Israel. So therefore it's fallen off the radar. Well, where did this revolt happen? Well, it happened mostly in places like uh, Cyrene, which is in uh, near today Tripoli in Libya, in Alexandria, in Egypt, in Cyprus. So there was this huge revolt, hundreds of thousands dead against the Roman Empire. When the Romans finally crushed the this diaspora revolt, this this other revolt in 115 to 117, you had these super fighters that had taken on the Roman Empire for two years, and now they were defeated. Where did they go? Well, I believe they went into Africa. From Cyrene in Libya and Tripoli, they went into Africa, and they got to places like Ghana, and they 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 um, they they started communities. And so you have this influx into Africa, besides the fact that they were already there, and therefore you have communities in in. Morocco and Tunisia, in Ghana, in Nigeria, in Yemen, you know, it goes on and on. And this proud, beautiful history, a history of resistance, a history of culture is, is lost. And, and, and no, you know, it's literally covered up by sand and prejudice. Wow. So should we be expecting a documentary about that anytime? I'd love to do it. <laughs> the thing is, you need funding for these things. You get, you, you put the, you get South African television to, to fund it and I'm, I'm there. I'll get the Israelis and Canadians. <laughs> I'll send an open letter to the SABC immediately after the show. Unfortunately, <laughs> that is all the time we have for. I actually did not use any of the questions I had, I had for you because our conversation just took a turn, but I enjoyed it and I hope my friend at home enjoyed it as well. Mr. Simcha Yakobovici which means son of Jacob. Yeah, he taught me that. Thank you for joining the show to us, and thank you for being part of the, well, tr thank you for being part of Tribal Pursuit. <laughs> it, was a, it was a pleasure. Anytime. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Tribal Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. It is 10.59 which unfortunately means we are out of time. I'm, I'm sad. But I do hope you enjoy the show. I hope you enjoy the one hour that you got to spend with me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mr. Simcha Yakobovici. It is 10.59. Craig is signaling for me to get out of studio. And if I do not, he will be very angry. Do tell me what you thought of the show. 34519 is how you do that. 0618951019 is the telegram line. You can even, well, don't call because I won't be in studio. <laughs> but I, I hope you enjoyed your Wednesday. I hope you go out there. You enjoy the rest of your women's day. You have a great, great, beautiful Wednesday. Day and you stay warm. By the way, let me do this now in studio so that Craig sees me as well and he can confirm and Michael can confirm as well. My shades are on, which officially means I'm on holiday. 
Craig, don't talk to me about anything hyphen related until tomorrow at 6 a.m. And I hope that you go on holiday as well and you have the same type of fun. I got my rings on, I got my jewelry on, and I'm about to have fun. As always, from your friend Mukunimudao and Craig in the studio pressing all the buttons. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your day.